Welcome to the Word from the Ancient Path, Stories and Sermons for the Journey, a channel of blessing and encouragement for friends all over the world to hear and experience how God speaks and works through ordinary people with an extraordinary calling. We have stories of bringing good news, connecting in Christ, and building the kingdom. And we have the Word of God declared through the pastors and missionaries of Ancient Path Ministries, La Iglesia Volviendo a la Senda Antigua. I'm your guide, Pastor Kevin Job. I'm very happy to be with you. Our ministry was founded by Pastors Jose Santiago and Yamile Cruz in Jovellanos, Cuba. And my wife, Tani, and I serve as chief connection makers in the United States. Our team of pastors, missionaries, advisors, and kingdom servants is dedicated to planting churches and spreading the reach of the gospel. And so we pray that you are blessed and inspired by these sermons and reflections and the testimony of what God has done and is doing in and through us. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, for two weeks now, we've been talking about two men and their marks on my life. Uh, my little brother, Joseito, who left this world, taking part of my heart with him. And Rich Mullins, who was a famous poet, songwriter, and disciple whose life has affected me profoundly. Last week, traveling through time, we got to have some guest starring roles from King David, writer of praise and lamentation, and from my dad, whose potential positive legacy was stolen away by the horrors of war and the ravages of alcoholism before I even met him. Cameo appearances came from a scout leader who did harm to me by way of sexual abuse. And every one of these men has left this life by now, and it's my prayer that all of them have experienced the joy of the Father's house. And I hope that you found it just a little bit amusing, at least when I shared the experience of laughing at myself as I was called forward on April 3rd, hernia stricken in the lowest reaches of my body to teach and encourage La Iglesia Volviendo a la Senda Antigua on the anniversary of the passing of my brother, our founding pastor, Jose Santiago. With the image of Jacob wounded by the angel's touch to yoke him to God's path and enabling him to become Israel at the front of my thoughts, I talked to my family in Christ about phases of grief, and I pledged myself to next steps. I promised to remove the mourning for Joseito and Papa, his dad, from the center of my field of view so that I could see where God was leading us beyond all of this, and I challenged them to join me. Now, encouraging the church is part of the work of a disciple, and particularly for those of us called to lead. And so this will bring us to another little bit of back to the future in the time machine. In the summer of 1999, my life with my wife, Tani, was deepening. All of my past sufferings and the details of the sins committed in the mix of things had been confessed, and we were both working hard in the process of forgiveness and healing. And God had gifted us an incredible group of friends who surrounded us with love and grace. And in the security of this fraternity, he healed our marriage and led us into parenthood. And then there came a clear directive from the Holy Spirit for me to share uh, our story, to testify to the deliverance and the healing that was underway. I got to tell you, it was scary because the details are ugly, and I was pretty certain that people would hear the story and then I would be dismissed as the church's worship leader. But it didn't happen that way. Sunday, August 22nd, 1999, as Tani's sisters in Christ gathered around her, laid hands on her in prayer, I stood before a packed house. And I shared the good, the bad, the ugly, and the redemption. And the outpouring of love that followed amazed us. Turns out that people really like the part of the story where the work of grace seems done. At the end of the service, a friend, uh, a friend of ours walked up to me and handed me a sheet of paper from a notepad. He'd written three words in his own hand. That took guts, in all caps. Across the top was printed this word from Scripture, the very same words that Rich Mullins had spoken to that attic that he was renovating. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. But you know, 
Sometimes I grow weary of being a work in progress. There are days when I just want God to finish it. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 6 through 10 say, God, who said, let shine light out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. The Apostle Paul wrote these words to the primitive church about the calling and the character of the earliest missionaries. God's remarkable grace has filled men and women with light that allows the world to supernaturally perceive the glory of God through Jesus Christ. And he's done so through fragile, easily breakable vessels, fallible people who are afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, and struck down. People who carry death so that life may be brought through them. What an enigma or paradox or conundrum or whatever. I mean, how can this kind of thing be? Rich Mullins had a friend named Brennan Manning, a theologian and author whose book, The Ragamuffin Gospel, affected him so deeply that he actually named his touring band after it. I have a friend who used to tell me that that book reads like the story of my life. And Brennan Manning had some great words about Rich. He once said this. He said, there's a scene in Thornton Wilder's play, The Angel That Troubled the Waters, which to me really captures the essence of the life and the spirituality of Rich Mullins. A medical doctor comes to the pool every day wanting to be healed of melancholy and gloom and sadness, and eventually the angel appears, and the doctor goes to step into the water, but the angel blocks his entrance and says, no, step back. The healing is not for you. The doctor pleads, but I've got to get into the water. I can't live this way. The angel says, no, 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 no. This moment is not for you. But he says, but how can I live this way? And the angel looks at him and says, doctor, Without your wounds, where would your power be? It is your melancholy that makes your low voice tremble into the hearts of men and women. The very angels themselves cannot persuade the wretched and blundering children of this earth as can one human being broken on the wheels of living. In love's service, only wounded soldiers can serve. We're going to take a moment now for a short break. Stay with us for more on the ancient past. At Ancient Path Ministries, we hope to carry the light of the kingdom of God into places where it is most needed, to see people set free from what holds them captive. Now, our ministry is built on connections in Christ, and our financial foundation depends on the regular partnership of beloved friends such as you. If you would like to be a covenant financial partner or just simply contribute to the work of the ministry, visit our website at ancientpathministries.org, check out the church in action, and see how you can be a part of bringing good news, connecting in Christ, and building the kingdom. All right, we're back, and we're back into the time machine for a ride in 1994. Tani was struggling to understand me. I was a husband with sequestered demons, and honestly, I was very difficult to live with. I finally agreed to seek some Christian counseling, and several sessions in, I was given a medical diagnosis, post-traumatic stress disorder. They called it battle fatigue when it affected World War II veterans like my dad. But it isn't strictly a military affliction. Years of abuse, my father's neglect and general disdain, and my own sin had done this to me. 
But God was beginning that new work in me, and over the course of 18 months, I found a way to forgive my dad for being unable to forgive me for simply being and for not being the son he apparently thought I should have been. That was the first baby step on the way to growing up, and it happened in that psychologist's office. And the steps that followed would lead to salvation, confession, and repentance. And eventually they would carry us into that strong circle of friends and into a great marriage and a parenthood to five amazing human beings. And along the way, we've been allowed to serve ministries we never imagined as we discovered that supernatural brotherhood and the amazing team of Jose and Yami and Kevin and Tani. And to think all I ever really wanted to do was teach band. I often find myself having to step back and wonder that this is even my life. You know, I think it would be a relatively perfect life if I wasn't such a crucial part of it. (laughs) But as Paul said, right, we have these treasures in jars of clay. We are works in progress. Back in 1980, the Lord gifted my father with a new wife whom he did not deserve. And through no fault of hers, their marriage sort of spelled the end for my relationship with him. He had even less of time and attention for his teenage baby son, and I didn't have the energy to explain all that backstory and hurt to her. He had abandoned alcohol before they met, and by all accounts, he went back to being a relatively good guy. But in the fall of 1999, I decided I needed to check in on my dad, who was now suffering from Alzheimer's. I wanted him to know of his granddaughter, and with a strengthened heart, I held some hope of some kind of reconciliation before he passed. And though I knew that my stepmother had taken Dad back to church, I wanted to be certain of his faith in Christ. It really wasn't all that magnanimous. I wanted to know that despite our failed earthly relationship, that someday there, that it might be possible to know and love and be known and loved by him in our father's house. Through a few visits with him in a nursing home, I got most of what I was looking for, as much as someone can with someone whose mind drifts randomly through decades and events. But you know that post-traumatic stress disorder, it's a strange ailment. The day my dad died, three of his five children were by his bedside. And that might sound like a win for the three of us and a loss for the other two. But you got to remember that I was the one he abandoned, and the other two were the ones he'd beaten up in their youth. At any rate, two minutes after he had seemingly taken his last breath, I reached up to close his wide open eyes, and as I touched his eyelids, he gasped. He took in one last dose of earthly gases before taking his first breath in the presence of Jesus. But he was stubborn to the very end. Up until the time when I was held in the circle of those brothers in arms I mentioned before, I had no memories of good relationships with men. For all of my life, it seemed that they either abandoned me or eventually demanded something perverse of me. But these mighty men of mine, they changed all of that. That good work begun by those friendships would help me to trust what God was doing as he started to knit Joseito and I together. Let's go back to that week in Cuba in 2007. Tani and I, along with our team, had been seeing mountains of evidence of the strength and the stamina and the faith that it takes to minister in that land. And we also understood firsthand just how lonely it can be when God calls you to be a shepherd Spiritual battle fatigue is a very real thing. Now, what I'm about to tell you about, I I only tell you because it happened in a very public setting. During that trip, we gathered one hot afternoon for prayer in this little church that Jose and Yami served at the time. And as the hour concluded, Yami set us up and we prayed in partners. And of course, she placed the two brothers together. And each of us placed a hand on the other's shoulder and another behind his neck. And we began and 
And then I wrote in my trip journal that, this account of it. I hug him. He grabs me even tighter. I tell him that I love him and he tells me that he loves me. And I begin once again to thank God for his mercy. And then as I'm praying and holding Jose, I feel his body begin to heave against me and he starts to sob. And I'm broken. He's younger and several inches shorter than I am, but you know, I've spent our relationship looking up to him and drawing strength from his anointing and his faithfulness. I look at him and I see him as so much stronger than me, but right now he holds on tight to me for strength as his anguish overflows on him. And for that moment, I am God's strength to my brother. The love that God has granted us is unlike anything I've ever experienced. It's strong, and it makes me strong, and it will prove deep as well. David and Jonathan come to mind, but I couldn't say who is who. In a past episode on the podcast, I shared the events of that first week of April 2021 when God called Joseito home, followed only four days later by his dad. Pipo, as everyone in the Santiago household referred to Papa, claimed me as his own son. And he always reminded me how much he loved me and of the skills and the talents and the capacity that he saw in me. And when I found myself mourning the both of them, I knew very clearly that in our story, I am David. Because in the Bible, David is left behind when both Jonathan and his dad, King Saul, have died on the battlefield. And then David took on the responsibility of seeing to the well-being of Jonathan's household. And I am humbled to be the wounded soldier who remains to serve the Santiago Job clan. One of my favorite sermons that I used to translate for Joseito on our mission tours was based on a story in 1 Samuel 14. That great warrior Jonathan took his young sword bearer and waged an attack on the Philistines, Israel's strongest enemy. Just the two of them. Trusting their gifting and their skill and the favor of the Lord, they routed the first 20 men they encountered and scared hundreds more of them so badly that they scattered in fear. Such was the life of my brother, and such is the life of his amazing wife, Yami. Trusting in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, they have attacked more than one demon garrison when others would never have been so bold. And the Lord has responded to their faith by granting victory upon victory for the kingdom of heaven. Throughout his life, with persecution and challenges, Joseito consistently placed the needs of others ahead of his own. He would go without sleep, he'd go out of his way to help, and he sacrificed his own physical well-being in order to serve the kingdom of God. Suffering more than his share of cuts, bruises, wounds, and other damage along the way. And ever the faithful soldier, in the end, like Jonathan, he left it all on the battlefield. Once more, hear these words from Brennan Manning. All grace, all light, all truth, and all power are communicated through the vulnerability, the brokenness, and the utter honesty of men and women who have been shipwrecked, heartbroken, broken in the wheels of living, in love service, only wounded soldiers can serve. So as we close today, um, for those who have gone before us and to encourage those of us who continue in the work, here's one more little snippet from Rich Mullins and me. May God bless you.
This brings us to the end of our time for today. Thank you so much for being with us. Join us next time as we continue to explore the Word of God and the witness of His people. And again, be sure to check out our webpage, ancientpathministries.org. Like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ancient Path Ministries. Until next time, we pray God blesses you richly. Go and be the church.